friends, welcome to So Fired. I'm your host, Dr. Lindsay. And I'm Chelsea. This show is all about how getting fired together fired us up to pursue our dreams. We want you to learn from our mistakes, laugh with us, and live out the life of your dreams. Get ready to be so fired. Hey friends, welcome back to So Fired. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Chelsea. You just had a birthday. I did, yay! It was the best birthday ever, honestly. Thanks why? to you. Oh, you know oh, why. Thanks, because you spent 60 hours <laughs> making me a dollhouse garden. I don't know how else to say it, but it was like a garden, and you made everything. And if you didn't check out our So Fired Instagram, I can give you more. <laughs> I will post a more detailed. I can't. It brought me to tears. So you made, it was like a garden I don't know, vignette, yeah. if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the most thoughtful gift I've ever received in my entire life. Well, I tried to give it to you as a present earlier, disassembled, but <laughs> I'm happy I spent all that time doing it and you gave me the exact response I wanted. So it's a Tears. gift for everyone. Oh yeah. my gosh, it's literally so now just prominently on my desk. I cleared everything else out of the way. And it's like to the right of my computer. I know. Very prominent. Oh, thank you. So and much. there's electricity in it. Oh, Anyway, so yeah, there was other things that were done and we went out to, oh gosh, okay, real quick. I went, we went out to this Mexican restaurant and uh, there was no one there and you guys, I know we're hoping for somebody but different, but it was so perfect. And then the mariachis played, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we went out to dinner and this might not sound like a fun time to you, but oh, yeah. we went around the table and we're like, okay, say something that you love about the person. And then we went back around, we're like, okay, say something that they need to work on. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some people might think, ouch, but not us. No, not us. We closed the restaurant down because then we went yeah, we round did. two of something else. Yeah, we did. Like, get harder. Say, yeah. say, say, say something, say something meaner. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, but I only, no, not this time. And then you had to translate. Yes. And I had to translate between everyone. So, you know, always taking the opportunity to grow, grow, <laughs> <laughs> grow those little tiny miniature plants that you planted. Yeah. Anyway, so what are we going to do today? Anyways, we have a very special guest on today, and she's also going to help us grow in new ways because she's been on her own journey. So our guest today is Olivia Carson, and as a sought-after copywriter for creatives, Olivia Carson helps artists, makers, doers, and dreamers free themselves from chronic writer's block so they can return to doing what they love. Before establishing her boutique copywriting studio, Olivia worked in corporate finance as a marketer, penning nearly a dozen campaigns with over a million dollars in revenue. Woo! Specializing in tailor-made copy and strategic prose, Olivia's calendar is booked with high-profile clients blazing a trail in the fine art creative business space. Today, Olivia is an outspoken advocate for rest over hustle and entrepreneurship. Mm, I feel that. Mm. She's the founder of Wordsmith for Wellness, an annual membership for creative business owners designed to build community, soulful business practices, and brand voice mastery. Ooh. Ooh. I love that one. Yes. (laughs) Oh, her clients are continuously featured by the world's most respected names in media, including, these are big deals, you guys, Vogue. Harper's Bazaar, Glamour, Elle, Rangefinder Magazine, and NBC. Whoa. Dang, girl. Yeah. That's impressive. And she's here with us today. Yes. She's here with us today. Hey. Hi. Wow. That is such a lovely intro. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) We are flattered. Thank you. 
<laughs> and I wish I could have been at that Mexican restaurant with you, oh, honestly. Girl. And I'm gonna need again. to see. Oh. I'm gonna need to see the dollhouse. I think. Oh, I know. I'll have to send you a photo. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that. I'm gonna do a more detailed tour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I think personal gifts like that are the ones that we remember forever. So, well done. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. It's worth it. <laughs> and I think I might actually take on this hobby for myself because it really rests my brain. So, you know how you're saying oh. like rest over hustle? It calms yeah. my hustle mind down. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I find yeah. that like the more opportunities we can have to have a hobby that we don't monetize. I know. <laughs> can we just, can we, can we bring back hobbies, please? Hobbying. I know. I'm like, okay, nothing, not everything has to make money. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So let's just get into what we're going to talk about today. We were chatting before this and it's easy to let your values lead the way when your life unfolds as planned. So, you know, when we're on our dream destination, But when we take a detour and the shit hits the fan, Olivia is here to help us discuss her journey through when her beliefs were forced to be put to the test in her own personal crisis. So there's a lot of vulnerability in business. There's prioritizing the healing over the hustle and then how a healthy headspace empowers you to speak from the heart. Well, I'm really excited to talk with you both about this because I I think that this is a conversation that just needs to happen more. And that's just part of why I just feel really honored to be here. And so I'll kind of launch into a little bit of like a personal story and hope that guides the conversation a little bit for us. But this this conversation of, gosh, there's so many elements to it. It's like, I think we can all attest to the fact that we are craving something more real especially an age of social media and an age of Instagram and an age of perfectly curated flat lays and all the rest. We have just collectively kind of come to this reckoning and this discovery of, okay, so this is so far removed from reality. Whose experience is that really? Right. And I've always found myself kind of craving that that realness. I think that authenticity can get to be a bit of an overused word, but it's also because it's a really good word to describe what we're all looking for. So this conversation is helping me in my in my personal quest to see that authenticity through, to make that real, and to hopefully give others the permission and maybe even the courage to do the same in their businesses. Mm-hmm. And in fact, not that we should see our pain and our and our crisis through the lens of a marketing strategy or monetization, but I think that there's a way to really lean into vulnerability as a way to find common ground with people that you want to serve. So yeah. do you want to dive into your story about that lesson learned. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So I'm a copywriter, as you mentioned. I'll kind of start a little bit from the beginning to give some context. I've always been the type to, even in my corporate days, um, 
people would refer their words to me and say, can you zhuzh this up? Can you make this sound pretty? And I was always really happy to take on that task. So I've been the word girl for a long time. And it wasn't until actually last February that I went full-time in my creative copywriting business. So I am still I am still kind of new to this. Mm-hmm. So there was, there's been so many lessons learned in this first year. I think February of 2021 is when I finally took the plunge. So at the time of recording this, we're coming up on that. And I wasn't really aware of the idea of like what wellness was until I had a mentor who was actually my very first copywriting client who actually trusted me to write on her behalf. She had kind of folded in this idea of spirituality And I say wellness as a very broad term, meaning like energy work, you know, a little sprinkle, a little dash of woo in your your business practices, finding a way to embrace that spiritual side and that sort of universal energy that kind of connects all of us in, in business. So I really wasn't made aware of what that meant to me until fairly recently in my life, within the last three years or so. And it changed my business for the better because Seeing the world through energy was something that kind of was a game changer for me. And I realized that being just an energetic being, like I have, I have strengths and I have, and I have challenges and opportunities like, like we all do. So I, I started to learn about this, this kind of way of seeing the world. And I ended up pivoting that and finding a niche in talking to my audience about mental health. And again, another term that I'm using really broadly to kind of describe just to just be really honest about the fact that we see a lot of perfection online and that is nowhere near the truth. It's just it can be really radical to be honest. I found myself getting really honest about what I was struggling with in my own mental health journey. Being someone who has ADHD, being someone who struggles with things like depression and anxiety, long chronic kind of struggles that affect how I approach entrepreneurship. I found that the more I started to speak about that, the greater it would resonate with people. The more the more engagement I would get from people who would not just, you know, comment like, oh, that's so great. It was like real connections being made, people reaching out privately and saying things along the lines of like, this is so needed. I'm so glad that you're kind of breaking the ice in this category and showing how you can be this vulnerable and also be safe at the same time. I found a lot of value in doing that. Like it made me feel really good. I would love to create this guise that it was totally altruistic and for everyone else, but no, it was really just for me. Like I really wanted to be seen by other people. By doing so, I think it helped other people realize that they too could also be seen for things that were not as praiseworthy as like, the perfect vacation shot on the beach, you know, from when they went to the Maldives and everything was amazing and their bags weren't delayed on the way there and they didn't throw up in the airplane on, the, on before they <laughs> landed. And, uh, you know, like all the things that happened to us that never make it to Instagram, basically. Yeah. So I, I found this niche and a lot of times I would write in my captions where I was talking about how I felt on that day if I was having a particularly hard moment, 
I would write to others what I needed to hear myself at that moment. So I would write as though I was talking to the world, but in reality, I was kind of trying to write to myself. I found a lot of common themes were coming up like rest over hustle, prioritizing rest, being very affirming in the language that I was using to talk to other people. Like the most you can do is your best and your best is always enough. Your best may not always be enough for other people, but if it's enough for you, bottom line, you've done your part. You deserve rest, things like that. Because you are you, you are inherently worthy. So really affirming language like that, I would use in my messaging. And I was really just trying to say these things to myself. And I kind of needed the vehicle, the medium of Instagram in which I was kind of presenting it to the world to get it through in here to myself. So I found I found this niche and I also found myself writing a lot about kind of busting common myths about what you should be as an entrepreneur. So the idea that in entrepreneurship, everybody has it together. But the idea of having it together, I'm using air quotes, is like totally, it doesn't exist. Like who has it together really? It was just a really healing experience. And I found myself telling people a lot of things that were very easy to say in the moment. And they were all good things, you know, like you deserve rest. Everything that I just said, I was saying that often. And I, it was very easy to say too, because it felt very positive. It felt like it was coming from a genuine place. And it was helping me get through my hard days too. It was helping me make real connections. And so I'm arriving at the story now. <laughs> but I needed to give that context to hopefully, you know, really deliver the power of this story. So you speak a lot about like um, healing over hustle and like being authentic and then that vulnerability. So in your own life, in your story that we talked about a little bit before we were off camera, where does that tie in and where were those values being challenged? Yeah. So it was all very easy to say. And it was finally challenged when this past fall, I became pregnant for the very first time. And that was a very, like most first time parents, I would imagine, very scary, very exciting. Lots of new things are happening (laughs) during that time. A lot of fear and just nervous excitement, especially in, in that first like trimester period. So I became pregnant and then unfortunately I miscarried that pregnancy. And I had never experienced that before. Like first time becoming pregnant, no one, no friends or family members had miscarried. So I was kind of like out here forging, forging a path of my own that I did not want to. And I found myself just weeks prior having a very easy time saying things like, you need to prioritize rest when you need it most. And I was forced with this personal crisis to practice what I preached for the very first time, really. You know, it's not as if the days where I was saying this before were not bad. Like all of us, we, we have bad days outside of like trauma and crisis, like a situation like this, like a miscarriage can create. So it's not that my experiences on those days before this were less valid, but it was much easier to say these things to other people. 
Like, it's really hard to describe just like the intensity of the sadness and the grief. I could not write. <laughs> like, as a as a writer, a lot of what I do is I write on behalf of other people. So I'm st- I'm putting myself into their shoes and I'm channeling them through words. And I just it's it's like when you try to force yourself to do anything and you just you simply can't. It's one of those rock bottom moments where you recognize the lesson as it's happening and you're like, "Oh, I was told I was told this would happen to me at some point." You know, where rock bottom forces you, literally forces you to stop. I find it interesting that your identity and your professional is wordsmithing, wellness wordsmithing, writing on other people's behalf, being able to put feelings into words. And here you experiencing something so tragic, almost lost your voice. Oh, yeah. And gosh, yeah gonna make me cry (laughs) but that's it right i mean that's that's touching where there's still the heart is vulnerable i mean that's the heart is exposed right and i think i cry a lot (laughs) (laughs) but i also know that that's my heart's way of communicating because so many layers of like tissue and skin protect it and can insulate it we applaud you for your and thank you for your strength and willingness to talk about something that I imagine I can't imagine how about that I just I can't imagine what the loss and you've talked touched on it but thank you for doing that let's start there and then I can't imagine to make things worse when you lose your professional identity or it's not lose it but lost it like wait this is who I am yeah and you know I've actually never thought of it that way I'm so glad you said that Because I think sometimes some of the most, one of the most disempowering things that can happen to you is loss of voice. Whether you are actually like bound, like you can't speak, or you lose your voice, like you have, I don't know, laryngitis or something, or you are silenced somehow. Like we think of politically when people have their voices taken away, that's disempowering. Being silenced in any way is it's it can be trauma in its own right. My experience of my miscarriage were more constru- just my my experience with the medical staff. I have empathy for them that they were doing the best they could to support me during this trial, but it was just nowhere close to what I had hoped nor what I expected. That was also trauma as well and just working through that I just was cracked open, (laughs) cracked open. And I think that's what grief does to us. Gosh, it cracks us open. And it's like this, it's like this primal, it's like this primal feeling sometimes. And I, I barely had the words for myself to describe my own experience, to even put words to my own feelings. I don't know how I could possibly do it for somebody else. If I were to even attempt it, if I had the energy to attempt it in hindsight, it wouldn't have been an integrity. And that's something that I noticed is that even in my greatest of spirits, I've noticed, and there would be some copywriters out there who would absolutely just cringe at this, (laughs) but I honestly, I think it's kind of beautiful in a way, but little bits of me kind of seep into the, the writing that I do for other people. 
I'll go back and read something that I wrote on somebody's behalf. And I come across something that I needed to hear, like a little deeply personal Easter egg within somebody else's writing. You know, it's meant for them. It was written for them. It was not written by me with any intentions besides just elevating and empowering this person who I'm writing for. But I just noticed that it's kind of the nature of something that's deeply handmade and bespoke. Our fingerprints are going to be on it. And so I was completely forced to practice what I had been preaching for months and months and months to everyone in my audience, which is to say, if you do not prioritize your rest and you don't prioritize your mental well-being, something's going to happen that will force you to do it. Being entrepreneurs, I'm sure you both can attest that our worth is very tied up to our productivity. And despite being just knee deep in sticky, icky trauma and unpacking what happened to me and how I'm going to move ahead from this, I was also not getting anything done. And, you know, being a freelancer, having to send emails that our project is now on hold because I had this loss and I felt, I felt embarrassed. I felt like humiliated to tell people that I was taking a step back. And that's when I realized, okay, I need to reevaluate what I'm telling other people because now that I actually have to put it into practice, I feel embarrassed. Maybe I wasn't being as authentic as I thought in the moment. And that's not something I could have realized until I was in these exact circumstances. So one question I do have, and it's tangent, given that you are the voice, have you considered, or maybe you already have this, have this in the works, have you considered not like putting your words down, articulating how you feel for the benefit of other women who have been or are mm-hmm. in your current situation. The, not situation, but rather experiencing this grief and loss. Because maybe yeah. there's more people out there, such as yourself, who's struggling and just looking for someone to be like, that person gets it. She gets it. I couldn't have said it better. Thank you. Because I feel like you're in a really, you have such a powerful opportunity here to touch other people in ways that they don't typically hear as it relates to loss and miscarriage? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And that was on my mind. So I feel as though I, I, I wrote an Instagram post when this happened to me, probably several days after. And one, it was a way for me to just, well, one, record, like just document, you know, And the second was a way to help me start healing. I want to say that I wrote it so that other people would search like the miscarriage awareness hashtag, for example, and find it and be comforted. But really, if if I'm being totally real with you, which I want to be, (laughs) because that's what I've been saying all along, I wrote it because I wanted to feel seen by other people. I wanted other people to say, I wanted other people to say, I'm sorry. And we are, I can't, we, mm-hmm, we are. And we can see you right now. And I think more people, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you. And I don't think that's bad either because and I, I also think that's like the beauty of being so deeply connected to people that we would have never met without things like Instagram because I love my family, but they didn't have the skills to support me or maybe maybe skills is the wrong word. They didn't have the tools. I don't I I think that they didn't know what to say. And that's totally okay. Not everyone does. You mentioned the same a similar sentiment earlier when you were talking about the the healthcare practitioners mm-hmm. that you had looked to them for guidance. But what I hear, what my heart hears is that there's no one thing or person that can guide us through our personal journey of loss. Mm-hmm. We put so much hope onto our people, whether it's friends or family or medical practitioners, but only we can do our journey and just, and that's the, I found that to be the scariest. And my dad passed away very suddenly a few years back and I was at a loss and I was in so much pain But what I chose to do was other people that I encountered who have recently lost a loved one, I interviewed them and I put it on a blog because we were now a part of a community of pain. And Mm -hmm. if you, you can identify them, if you really look, because you can see who in their eyes who have experienced something so tragic. And while it wasn't about me, I was now trying to say, I see you as well. And I think you're doing that. Thank you. That makes me feel good. And I also think that's really brave of you to first reach out in grief. I realized, I think that grief, I mentioned before, it has this way of just like cracking us open like a coconut. (laughs) Like the ones that you get at the grocery store that are already like pre-sliced in the middle. (laughs) Like just, you just wrap it on like a hard surface and it's just open. That's what it feels like. It exposes those parts of you, those deep innermost pieces of you that need some healing. So like I found myself in my grief wanting to totally withdraw from everyone. So that's why I say you're so brave to reach out to other people because the last thing, it was weird. You know, I wanted to write to Instagram, but then when people would reach out to me more personally, I would just want to shut them out. It's really weird. You know, it's healing right now to even talk about the fact that I wasn't, as I mentioned before, just any of my mental health writing, it wasn't totally altruistic. It wasn't totally selfless. In fact, it was actually at times more selfish than anything, but also like I will not judge myself for doing what I needed to do to heal. You know, though, It was really important to me to write that so that other people more in a a more secondary way to I I wanted people to say, I'm sorry. (laughs) And I and I feel so childish when I say that out loud. And again, I'm like just taking little breadcrumbs of things I need to like write in my therapy journal. (laughs) But the secondary reason for making that post on Instagram was I did want people who were browsing the miscarriage awareness hashtag like I was to see it, read it, and know whether it was through my words or through all the supportive comments 
that this is not something to be ashamed of. I felt a lot of shame in the wake of my miscarriage. And I'm like, why? But you also mentioned experiencing or feeling shame when you had to take care of yourself and put yourself first, when you had to email the individuals that you work with, hey, I I need to take a step back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My experience with grief is that it's ugly, it's messy. And unless you wear an arm badge, like they used to in the very, very old days, my mom would tell me about, they would wear an arm badge, like a black arm badge that says, I'm mourning. And I feel like more people need to do that. I don't know, I'm not initiating a campaign, but we honor those who have a cast on their leg. And boy, do we, oh, let me get the door. But more often than not, our herd is on the inside and people can't see it. Mm -hmm. And so for you to going to Instagram, that's a great way of people seeing it. But forgiving ourselves for the things we never did is really hard. Oh man. I love that. How great would that be (laughs) to have something on your body that says like tread lightly? (laughs) You know, I think maybe that's why people wear black for there's a tradition that exists of wearing black, you know, for a year after someone close to you has died and a veil so people can't see your face. So that's easier to conceal your tears. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just speculating now to be totally transparent. I'm still working Mm -hmm. through why this shame exists. I am really confused by the idea of shame because the idea of shame is it's, it's like shame and guilt are siblings or cousins maybe. And, you know, guilt comes from the idea that I've done something wrong, but shame is the idea of I am wrong. I, I ran into some shame in my, in my miscarriage because, and this is, this is a really reductive line of thinking, but my mind just went there. It was like, I feel like as, as a woman, I should, I was literally like born to do this sort of thing. And why couldn't I? Of course, there's many, many flaws in that line of thinking, and it's toxic to continue thinking about that. But that's just, i if I could pinpoint the feelings of shame to one thing, it could be that. You start to question your value. You start to question your inherent worth. And these things that I've said to people in the past before this moment of crisis, like, you are inherently worthy because you are human. It's not, it's not easy to be like, yes, that's true. You know, if only it were that easy to accept and move forward with that understanding. I find myself now needing to like beat this into my head, what I've said to people. And ultimately just that story helped me realize the power of vulnerability to find common ground with people you serve people kind of in your sphere of influence maybe i have never felt so supported in the weeks to follow that post on instagram if i were to look back at my last year on instagram it's it would probably be like my most my my highest rated post if you want to like you know create some type of measure for engagement and comments and but that's it's not what it was about my community showed up for me basically And we hear about how Instagram is not real all the time. But in this way, Instagram is absolutely real. My my people showed up for me. So 
here was an example of your community showing up for you, even though I found with grief that, like you said, breadcrumbing, right? You might get support from the people you know the least. You may not even know them. And they say something that cracks that heart open even further. And then you take comfort in that. And that's what grief, in my experience, was there's no navigation. There's no tool. There's no handbook. I don't know. But what I did find was beautiful was when the person standing next to Starbucks just lost their person too. And now you have collected, added to your community in a way maybe not initially anticipated. And Instagram does that. It's underrated in that in that regard. But what comforted me the most in those days and what still does, you know, if you've experienced grief, then you know that eventually a time comes where people don't check in anymore. You know, the cards stop arriving and that's fine. That's okay. It's part of it. Is it though? I mean, it is fine. It happens. You know, one thing I did for my mom, she was instantly a widow. Mm -hmm. So I, at the funeral and anytime somebody would come around, I would give them and hand over a physical calendar. And I said, pick your day for the next 12 months in which you're going to reach out to my mother because she doesn't need it this first month. Everyone's got that. Those days are, those slots are covered, but this is when she's going to need it two, three months out when you have forgotten, because that's when it gets even harder because the further it actually got worse. If you can believe that the longer it went on. And then, and then eventually it slightly turns a corner, but never really. Oh, that's so, that's so just tender and empathetic and lovely. <laughs> it's a great idea. And, you know, that time, it just, it happens. It's just, it's part of it. Life goes on. But I found that what comforted me the most in those days and those months that would follow are when people would share their stories. People came out of the woodwork, you know, people who I would never expect had experienced the same thing as I had. And I finally, I had community and then I had community on top of that. There's power in our stories, the bravery that it takes to put them out into the world has the power to make radical, positive, lasting impact. Olivia, I think your vulnerability right now is really mm-hmm. empowering for me because going back to our dinner this weekend, <laughs> my everyone's like, you need to be more vulnerable. Not everything is perfect all the time. I'm like, I know, but I just feel like my issues are not like a big deal or I just feel like, okay, that's life. I don't need to talk about it. But hearing you share this really tragic and grief stricken story I'm like, why am I holding back so much? Just talking about like, I had a really bad day, you guys. Like, I just need to blow that off and maybe share it on Instagram and build up that community because you're just making me realize like, okay, the rubber is hitting the road. And I also, with my coaching clients, I'm like, you got to be authentic. You got to be confident. You got to be like this, this, and this. I'm like, well, am I doing that? So I think just hearing your vulnerability is helping me. And I think it's probably helping everyone listening, thinking, oh, I can just share my story and there is community to support and back up. And you don't know that unless you share. So I feel like you are so inspiring in that way. And I can tell that through your sharing of the story, like it's helping me find my voice. So I think 
how you said you lost your voice before. I hope that this is also helping you heal yourself and find that voice again and helping to find a voice for others. I also agree with that, but I think there is a portion, and I may challenge you, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't necessarily, we are entirely in control of our own grief journey. We are not, we're used to being in control on so many levels, but that is an example of where life is still very active and we participate, but that's because we're being forced to. Mm, yeah. Right. We're not in control of our grief. We can keep trying. We could keep going, but that is one time where we are now in the passenger seat of life. We can keep trying. We can keep going. And at times, that's the only thing we can do. And doctor, I would just tell you about, I would say, you know, to anyone who might be listening, who feels anxious about kind of bearing their heart on Instagram and not, not to say, and I'm using Instagram as kind of a, a broad strokes mm-hmm. example. It's just where I, where I talk to people the most. But if you are scared and you certainly don't need to admit to some trauma or crisis. It can literally, you you can open up and say, I had a bad day. I'm sick of seeing shit that makes me feel like I have to just smile and grin and bear it. Like that's bullshit. Why are we doing that? That's stupid. (laughs) I think that your community will surprise you because kind of coming back to home a little bit on this is that I I really believe that people are, are craving something real that we haven't had for a long time. And when we see it, we're drawn to it like a moth to a flame, you know, not to compare us all to bugs, but (laughs) it's that collective humanity that comes out in these moments of truth that are just compelling from one energetic being to another. I think you might find that, you know, owning your stories and really leaning into vulnerability in your own way will not only pay off for just how you move through the world as an individual, but it might just be the difference between working with people that you love and booking clients that maybe aren't as aligned with you. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really great point to end on is when you are vulnerable, you do attract what you need and what you really like and what's in alignment with you versus just forcing something to happen. So I have noticed that as well in my own practice. But when I am in burnout, I attract people for burnout. When I'm in a well space, I attract like the ideal client. So very, very valid to be yourself, be vulnerable and be authentic as much as possible and not be afraid to do it. So thank you, Olivia. I think that was such a powerful story. And I think that everyone listening will hopefully challenge themselves to just open up a little bit and share if they're having a bad day or if they've had a big loss or whatever it is on their mind, just because there is community to back you up. Yep. There's community to back you up. It feels scary when you hit post. And it can feel scary to be out there and kind of be laid bare. But there's a lot of goodness that can come from it, not just for the connections you make, but for being seen for who you are outside of this Instagram aesthetic that we all try so hard to maintain. (laughs) Yes. 
So friends, if you want to find Olivia, where can we find you? So I'm on Instagram. We've been talking a lot about Instagram. (laughs) I'm on Instagram at Olivia Carson. And if you want to work with me, you can go to oliviacarsonwrites.com. And there you can also find some information about the Wordsmiths for Wellness membership that we touched on at the top of the call, but we've been talking about wellness all this entire time. It's the membership I created for myself, which, (laughs) you know, combines copywriting mastery and mindset mastery with a dash of woo, which is what I've always wanted. So that's how you can find me after this. I love that. And we also want to know what your takeaways are. What have you learned today? So make sure you take a screenshot of this episode. Tag us at So Fired Pod. Tag Olivia at Olivia Carson with your takeaways. And make sure you share this episode with a friend because this was a really powerful message. And I think more people need to hear it. Follow us at So Fired Pod. Rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And then we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Disclaimer. This podcast is produced for your universal listening pleasure. Any statements shared during our program are opinions and experiences of our team and guests. If you disagree with any content presented herein, please find another show before submitting nasty grams. This is a positive vibes only platform. If you love our show and want to connect, share your experiences, or know someone who we should interview on future episodes, please don't hesitate to get in touch through our website or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this program brought to you by Daydreamer Network. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Your feedback allows us to rank on the best new shows list and continue to grow our podcasts in order to bring more unique and talented storytellers to the network. To check out our shows, including programs about relationships, sports, business, nutrition, leisure, and more, head to www.daydreamernetwork.com. We look forward to seeing you back next week for another great episode. Have a wonderful day.